Welcome to Intersectionality and the Diaspora. I'm Clara. And Melo. And we're two Centro Americanas navigating the traumas and triumphs of living in diaspora. We share our truths, experiences, and observations as LA Race Centro Americanas and invite you to join us in our conversations. So grab some cafecito or vinito and sit with us as we explore all the beautiful differences and similarities that make up our global community. content warning before we start our conversation. Our main topic will include suicide and death. And in this conversation, we navigate self-harm, alcoholism, eating disorders, current events, and our childhood traumas. It's one of the hardest conversations we've ever had, and it may not be appropriate for everyone to hear right now, and that's okay. But when you are ready, please know that we'll be here for you. COVID-2020 has been a lot, and as someone already struggling with mental illness, it's been hard to just get out of bed some days. In fact, I was laying in bed and found myself ruminating. I'd rather die than be a burden. As I held in the tears and the pain on my side, I'd rather not be a burden. And then I realized that I was having a trauma response. It wasn't until after the appendectomy that I understand the connections between hospitals and the childhood trauma, the things that I had witnessed but had no experience for, emotions that I felt that I didn't even know had words. So tonight, I want to make space for that little me and all of us who didn't have the words or support back then. Most importantly, I want to make space for those of us who still feel alone and uncomfortable disclosing our suicidal ideation because it is scary. But know that there's at least one friend who can attest that you're not the only one who has those thoughts. And that's all the more reason to feel okay to talk about them. So Mello. How do you feel knowing that we're going to talk about suicide tonight? Well, not so good. Mm. Been preparing myself for it. Same. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's such a weird thing to talk about for sure. Um, have you ever felt comfortable talking about it? No. Uh, and I think just the other day we found out that you and I have never talked about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, considering like how long we've known each other, how much we've seen each other through and how depressed and how bad things have gotten for us. Like, I I mean, there was no way I didn't know that you weren't hurting so much, you know? Mm -hmm. And I don't think that like, there's obviously no way you wouldn't know that I wasn't hurting. And yet we still never checked in on each other Mm-mm. and asked ourselves, you know, are we thinking about hurting ourselves? Yeah. And even now that you're saying that, just recently within like maybe, you know, after, well, like I was my worst like around 2014. So just 
maybe 2017 that I actually start asking people, like, well, how are you doing? And then they would say, okay. And I would say, well, emotionally. But I've never asked, oh, are you happy? Oh, no, that's a lie. I did have a talk with a friend and just recently, like maybe about two years ago, she came over and we, you know, had a talk and she was expressing how she um, wasn't feeling too well. And I said, well, have you actually, have you had any thoughts of hurting yourself? And then I think that was the first time I actually acknowledged that that could go on with somebody. Mm. But because I knew that I felt that way. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And it's also not something that we, you know, that somebody's used to asking, like, well, how are you doing emotionally? Have you had these thoughts? Right. It wasn't until recently that I actually started asking people that. Oh, you're absolutely right. And I'm like replaying in my head, like, when like on my timeline I remember like being asked how I'm doing emotionally by somebody who's not a therapist yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) and I still have a really hard time pinpointing but I will say that it was probably definitely in Houston Mm-hmm. And it was probably definitely Ben now that I think about it. Ben's a homie. Um, because that was, uh, that was, you know, when I lived in Houston, is when I lost my mom. So that was just like a really, really hard time for me. Um, and I didn't take it well. Obviously, (laughs) right? So, you know, like naturally you're going, I wanted to not feel that pain. So um, I'm grateful that I had friends like Ben that were like, you know, keeping me company, that were checking in on me, that were, you know, encouraging me to, you know, take time to heal, but also take, or take time to mourn, but also like, you know, take time for myself. And it was really complicated. I like by no means did it right. Yeah. Is there a right way? Is there a right way? I don't know. I think that's what like I'm trying to figure out, right? Like what we're trying to figure out rather. Cause like I don't think I ever I don't think he ever outwardly asked me if I was wanted to hurt myself but I think just like him by just being there kind of I don't know like he was acknowledging yeah como que presentió lo que estaba sintiendo yo yeah you know and but yeah I've never I've definitely obvious I'm hello not comfortable talking about it. I am bumbling. I am nervous. I am anxious right uh-huh. now. Talking to you, my best friend of like 20 some shit years. 
<laughs> just like how do we talk about this oh man uh, so yeah go ask that question let's see let's let's start. Yeah, let's see this. so what are some ways that you talked about death growing up like was that something that your family talked about like um or did you experience death as you know early like how did how was that like uh, uh brought up yeah. um yeah or what was that relationship like i just i don't even know how to ask those um, questions I, I don't even think it was brought up um i don't know if i've shared this story with our list or with you about um how I was told that my grandfather had died and I was about 11 years old when it happened. And I know I've told you all that I, but that was my first BFF, right? My, Mm -hmm. so he passed away. He lived next door to us. Um, My parents, you know, my mom went to the hospital. My dad did too. So we were left alone, but I think my brother was maybe like 13. The youngest was about eight, my youngest brother. So when my dad came home, he said, um, mind you, this is an eight-year-old, 11-year-old, and a 13-year-old. He came home and he just sat down next to us and had a bottle of tequila, set four glasses down, shot glasses. And he said, in my country, when um, we want someone to go to heaven we take a shot for them that's how I was told that my grandfather had passed it wasn't clearly stated he passed away and then obviously I said well I want him to go to heaven so I'm gonna take this shot he's 11 years old right and uh, I remember everyone took that shot and that's how I was told so um, I don't think I ever saw my mom because that was my mom's dad um, and also my dad's dad, you know, in a way, he didn't grow up with the father. So um, I don't think I ever saw them crying about it. We didn't, we, you know, we knew he wasn't there anymore. Um, we had the funeral and everything, but um, it wasn't until I got married in 2013 that my husband went, we went to the um, cemetery and we're you know, sitting around talking about my grandfather and um, how I would like him to be at my wedding, um, how, you know, I, what he would think of, of us, you know, seeing us now. And then we told my mom how we were told that he had passed away. So she, it was her first time actually hearing that, that story. Yeah, so you know, she had wow. she had no idea. She wasn't there with us. We didn't come back with my dad that night, and uh, she was very surprised. Mm. And then we actually that that happened when I was eleven. I got married around twenty six, twenty seven. So that tells you how we didn't talk about death. Was it the same with your family? Um, not really. Um, so 
part of the reason um, we're talking about suicide because it is Suicide Awareness Month and because it is a very difficult conversation to normalize um, is because of an experience that I had um, this this past week. I mentioned um, an appendectomy earlier and uh, yeah, so what... <laughs> I'm just gonna back up. So I had like a stomach ache for like three days and <laughs> I was ignoring it completely. And it hurt. I hurt so much for three whole days. And, you know, it took uh, my mom coming to me in a dream, Jason leaving and then coming back because he was having car trouble and literally the worst, sharpest pain I've ever felt in my entire life for me to, like, finally snap out of this feeling I was in and I and that feeling that I had was you know I'm laying in bed I'm laying in pain but I don't want to bother anybody I don't want to burden anybody with my problems but and then I'm like I'd rather die than be a burden I said that to myself over and over again and then I realized wait a minute that's not that's not right (laughs) I'm not a burden I'm not being a burden to anybody except myself right now like where is this coming from and I realized that in that moment it was just like this long forgotten feeling of wanting to you know just end my life and you know as I was recovering from it I started thinking to myself like when did this start for me and you know it was this month that I I you know, I was telling my therapist that I've been suicidal since I was eight years old. Literally, most of my life. And I'm realizing this all of these years later, despite all of those obvious warning signs. <laughs> like, it took me having to feel this extreme pain and to literally tell myself, you know, that I'd rather die. To you know, finally talk about this with somebody. And I wonder, like, if eight-year-old me hadn't have been turned down or rejected the first time she said that she wanted to die, would this, you know, how much of this trauma or how much of this pain that I have experienced could have been avoided, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah, so like it's it's not something we talk about. Yeah. And 
it should be because I'm like I think about how difficult it was for me to just accept help accept that I was sick I mean even now you know I'm like trying to do everything and you know Claire you just had surgery yes <laughs> oh yeah um And it's because, like, sorry, I know I'm going around in circles. I'm like telling you the story about the story, so I can make the story. That's what I. That's what I do best. But that's that's called a melody. Yeah, that's me. But guess what? It comes back to the point, you know. Eventually, it does. It does. So, like, it's all this weird, like timing all of these weird like things that happened at the same time um and for me you know the weight of you know rbg died and then i went into the hospital and then i got surgery and then brianna taylor's ruling came out and i am the next day you know i'm home finally recovering from my surgery and i am just like bawling crying because I am so broken. I am so defeated with everything that's happening around me. And that feeling of not wanting to be here comes back. And then I realized this is a pattern and I need to break this pattern. I need to break this cycle. And so we're going to do something different and we're going to name it. We're going to name what the problem is. We're going to name where it comes from. And we're going to do our part to bring awareness and prevent it by sharing our stories. Mm -hmm my story, your story, and anybody who wants to feel empowered to share. Um, so yeah, so that's why we're talking about this. <laughs> yeah. See, we're back to the beginning. <laughs> I, you know, okay. Um, why didn't somebody take eight-year-old you seriously? Why do you think? You think that it's because that stigma, we don't talk about it, um, we're normalized? I think it's a few Would it be a no, I think it's a, it's a few things. And I can speak confidently to it because um i know i remember this very clearly um one it was not to bring any more pain to my mother um and therefore not wanting to add on yeah not be that burden Mm -hmm. But I remember 
you know, we were having the vela for my sister at the house, at the apartment. And I went up to my cousin and I told her that, you know, I I wanna just jump off of the build, like the tallest building. In fact, I think I said the Eiffel Tower because like, I'm still Francophile. It's so <laughs> Um And she's like, don't you dare say that. Do you have any idea what that would do to your mother right now? Ugh. And I'm like, oh, okay. So then I never said anything about mm-hmm. it. And, um, you know, every time something difficult and traumatic came up after that, that's always been my natural response. like. I just don't want to deal with this anymore. And I've been like holding on to that my entire life. And you said so much so. Oh, you said the same thing. Like you don't want to be a burden to anyone. Yeah. Fuck. Then you don't realize the hurt you cause people if you do that. But I get it. Right, but in it, and it also like there's a part of it that I don't know. I just have something. It just makes me like, oh, I don't know. Come on, give me that one. Hey, not so good, but like whenever. Whenever it becomes about the people on the outside instead of the person experiencing it, I get kind of put off. Mm. Like when you say, oh, think about the people, you know, that are affected or that are hurt by it. And I'm like, okay. Oh, what about? Yes. Yes, but yes. And. I'm concerned about myself right mm. now. Can you please be concerned with me? Yeah. You know, like that's kind of the, f- I don't know, that's kind of like the conflict that I feel. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the reason why I don't feel comfortable talking about these things because it becomes about other people. Yeah. And it's not about them. Oh, man. That's I'm over here, like, bawling while you're saying I'm sorry. Because um, I can't imagine my life without you. Oh, don't say that. Huh? Why would you say that? Why would you say that to me? God damn it. <laughs> it sucks that we can't talk about it, like, so open just tell each other our feelings I remember almost like the worst pain of my life um that's when I first I first had you know thoughts of suicide which I felt when 
And um, you know, you're thinking back to when you first felt it. I felt like that when I was 11 years old after my grandfather passed. But I didn't tell anybody anything either because I, I didn't want to add on to my mom's pain. And I mean, I guess that's maybe why I never talked about it. And then when I felt my worst, well, I was like 27. And I, when I first, I didn't tell my mom about it. I just told her I didn't feel good. I said, I don't know what's wrong with me. I need to find out what's going on with me. And she said, oh, you know, you need to, um, you, you know, go to the doctor and you go to the therapist. And, um, finally, I, I remember I went to Lake Arrowhead and there was a bunch, bunch of friends and then their friends. So they like maybe like 20 of us who went to a cabin in Lake Arrowhead. And, you know, I had all these vitamin deficiencies. And uh, one of them was vitamin D. And apparently if that one goes like really low, you get very depressed. And you tend to have thoughts mm -hmm. of suicide. Uh, and my whole body was hurting. I couldn't even be touched by anybody. So that weekend I finally was like, okay, I'm going to go you know, and be cool, be quote unquote normal, right? Even though I was feeling all kinds of emotions and I was playing with the guys and my husband, and a couple other friends and we were playing foosball and I was so into it. But then all of a sudden my whole body started hurting and it was, I don't know if anybody in your, any of our listeners have ever had to deal with the vitamin D deficiency. When I first told my my friends that I had a vitamin D deficiency, they laughed it off and they told me that I should get out in the sun more. Um, and everyone would just laugh at me because of it. And um, I remember the doctor told me, hey, are you depressed? Do you have like these kinds of feelings? And I said, no, I wasn't there. You know, I guess I wasn't to that point. And when I finally did, you know, I would share my feelings with people and say, oh man, I'm feeling good. I'm having like all these muscle pains and I'm sleepy all the time. Um, I would get a pain in my bones, like just like deep, deep down in my bones. I don't even have my husband touch me. So after I finished playing football, I was having fun for like a split second, you know? Um, I looked at my husband and I said, oh, you know, can we go into our room? So he went into the room of the cabin and I just started breaking down and I told him, you know, I couldn't even play such a simple game like that. And that's when I said, oh, I just want to jump off this cliff right here where we were at. I was like, I want to jump off the mountain. And he... You know, I remember one of the other girls came in and, you know, she saw me crying. She looked at me and had Susan's hugging me. He, and she looked at me and she's like, well, come out and play, you know? And I was like, man, I'm having a fucking moment here, you know? So that was the first time that I told him something. It was the first time I said something to him. And he, you know, because we were interrupted, he didn't. I guess maybe he didn't um, have the right words to say. So it wasn't until like the next week that I started my therapy. 
And um, I still was 18. And my mentality was, I don't care about anybody else but this pain and I don't want to feel it anymore. And I had already been thinking about it from the time I went to the cabin till the time I got my therapy and I talked to my husband about it again. And he, and I said, again, like, I don't want to feel this pain anymore. I couldn't have anybody touch me, anybody hug me. Um, I couldn't even like bend down or walk up the steps without feeling a nasty pain. So I just didn't want it anymore. And I wasn't thinking about anybody else's, anybody who didn't care, like my family, my brothers, him. And then I, I said it again to him. And he said, how could you say that? And I was like, what? Like, I just don't want to feel like this pain anymore. I'm like, I guess I was like, to the fact of everybody else existing. I was just thinking about myself. And he said, um, you're the only friend I have in this world. If you go, I'm going to be alone. I can't just like, still, it still sucks talking about it. Because I picture his face and how he looked so sad and he started crying. But at that time, I was just so numb. I didn't care about him, I didn't care about my family, I didn't care about you or my friends. I just wanted to stop my pain. And then I remember afterwards, I don't, he, he tells me now that he called my best friend, my best guy friend, he called him, he called my brothers, he called my mom. Um, and then I remember I went to my mom's house and then she was the second person I said something to. And I, but, oh gosh, it's like, and I had told you, I just shared this with you recently, but I had never shared it with anybody else. I went to my mom's house because I was always there when I was super depressed. And I went to, um, the restroom and I was taking a shower and I looked at myself in the mirror and I thought I had the same thoughts again and I called out to my mom I was about to go in the shower I was all naked my mom comes in the restroom and I told her like I don't want to I just don't want to feel like this anymore and there I am like freaking <laughs> literally naked and then you know all my emotions out and she just hugged me and we hugged for what seemed like an hour and I remember her telling me there's a, a neighbor that on her right hand side and he um, recently passed away um, and she but at the time you know he, he had a bad lung 
So he was always, you know, getting, he was in and out of the hospital all the time. But he always had a smile on his face and he was just the most helpful guy I had ever known. And she told me like, oh, why are you feeling like this? You know, like there's other people on this earth that, you know, are suffering more than you. And then she told me like, look at him. You know, he has like his like breathing, his little tank. He was always with it. He's like, and look how he's always happy and he's smiling and stuff. And I looked at her and I said, I don't care about him. I care about me. I'm just thinking about me, man. Like, they're not feeling the same thing. But, I, you know, she had a, you know, I guess she tried to motivate me. Like, hey, there's people worse off than you. But they try to make that comparison. But they're like, hey, I, I, I'm worrying about it. I'm worrying just, this is what's important to me, me, right now. And I just want to feel better. Comparing your problems to anybody else's isn't helpful as much as it's invalidating and negating what you are feeling. And though the intention is good, right? There's always a good intention behind, you know, a hurt feeling, I feel. It's like your mom was trying to console you in the way that she knows how. And, you know, I feel like we are just raised to, you know, just, you know, just get over it. It'll be fine. No, they have it worse than you do. You'll be fine. If they can do it, you can do it. Or think about other people other than you, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, well, what would your, you know, who would I think? Okay. There's validity to that. I'm not trying to like say that I don't what I'm trying to say is that in those moments when someone is trying to reach out to you and talk about these feelings these thoughts that are so scary and so vulnerable it's so important to not invalidate Mm -hmm. that And so by saying something like, or by comparing it to somebody else's, you've turned that conversation into somebody else so that we're not centering on our friend anymore. And I think that's just something that, you know, like we as a society just, you know, we encourage that shit. It's like, you know, like, have a drink, walk it off, you know, whatever. It's all right. You'll feel better in the morning or whatever the fuck, you know, or like, or even worse is like, well, you don't have to talk about it. Um, I feel like you can talk about it if you'd like to, would be a good one, you know, if you're ready. Yeah. Um, right. Well, oh. what I'm, I was facetious i was like you know just don't talk uh, about it just keep it inside you know because that's what our society tells us to do yeah and i look at my family my grandpa passed away when i was 11 didn't talk about it till i was nearly 27 
That's a long ass time. Uh, um, and another thing is, that I was thinking about that. That you know, I once had a student tell me that, and right away I addressed it because um is it because i knew oh i know how it feels you know and i didn't take it like oh they're just saying it no because i empathize with it or um you know because like how you were talking about like eight years old and you said that and you're like oh um kind of didn't want to talk about it but i'm wondering if if somebody says that to you and you've already gone through that same feeling or emotion um do you empathize with it and kind of you know take action with it fast than if you didn't like like if if you know how it feels to go through thinking about suicide and somebody comes up to you and tells you um that they're thinking about it would you be faster to act with it than just say something like oh um oh you'll get over it well I see situations like that as an opportunity to I guess what a hard podcast today <laughs> yeah I just want to I want to word this carefully because I'm like having this you know scenario play in my mind where mm-hmm. it's you know you and I and you came to me and you told me and you know I would just I would ask you you know mm-hmm. what can I do for you right now and if it's something that like is impossible well first of all nothing is impossible mm-hmm. <laughs> um <laughs> sorry that was gonna that was, I was trying to make an it's always sunny reference but i got distracted by my cookie <laughs> so <laughs> sorry uh, this is very uh got an ex of us just laughing away our pain <laughs> this is <laughs> This is how we cope. This is like this is how we cope like <laughs> Couple of seconds before and I was like, oh okay, crack it up. Ah shit. And that's how we that's how we cope with these things. Yes. This is what we are taught. This is what our family, our generations before us have been doing this and teaching us yeah. that this is the way oh. that we cope with death. And this is like we make, you know, light of a situation and yeah. distract from it. 
you know, and then we ignore and negate all of those feelings and then they sit inside. And then they'll stay there until, you know, whatever brings them out, whatever trauma you may experience, you know, like it's just your body Mm. trying to take care of you in the only way it knows how. And sometimes that's just shutting down. Yeah. But if you... Uh If I can do anything for you, whatever it means to make it about you and help you, you know, find the joy, find the light, find whatever it is that you need to move you. I'm here for it, you know? Yeah, the little small step, they just say, how are you doing emotionally? Now, mm-hmm. I find that a lot of my friends will, you know, talking to them through text, and I'll say, like I said, just started really doing it, saying, how are you doing? And they say, oh, I'm fine. Okay, but how are you doing emotionally? Then they just start, you know, telling me, everything that's going on. Yeah. I'll feel you. Feel you. <laughs> Our Yoda <laughs> reference. <laughs> um, and yeah. that that should be another thing that's normalized too. Just ask your friends, hey, how are you doing emotionally? And you'll find that they start releasing or maybe um spill a bit more than did, right? Um like I said, uh, I had a couple of friends that I've asked straight up, hey, are you thinking about doing this? Um, and I asked you that question because I feel like I empathize with people now because I've gone through it. Um, so I kind of like, oh, I don't, I don't want to say, um, I guess I just made me feel like, oh, I see the same emotions that I was feeling, right? So then I think, oh, maybe I should ask this question. But also, I I validate those questions. You know, I validate them. I validate their emotions. So, um, simple thing of saying, like, okay, might not be going through the same. Oh, I went through this um but it's not the same thing but i understand it um just validate how people are feeling and even if you don't understand it even if you've never experienced something like that you know you're in those moments of trust and vulnerability you have to put you have to believe what is being told to you yeah it takes so much for someone to comfortably and willingly share that they are having thoughts of suicide or that they've ever thought of them you know like that's that's a big secret and it's a very heavy secret 
And so for someone to come to you and trust you with that secret only to be rejected or invalidated because they're not understood. No. That's violence. You don't have to understand it, but please believe when somebody is hurting and they say that it's hurting like this. Because it does, it does take a lot. People are probably, you know, like me, I, not that I was, well, I was thinking about it for a long time before I actually said it. You know, um, I'm a teacher, so we're mandated reporters, so we have to take all these trainings. Um... And we're taught, like, don't. Now, if somebody shares it with you, these thoughts, then don't say, oh, it's nothing. Taking them a lot of courage to come up to you and say something. Yeah. I'll just feel like, oh, let's, you know, I feel, I, kind of like you know mental health is a lot more you know we talk about it a lot more but you're right yeah we don't we don't really talk about suicide a lot and look how it 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 took me a while to even say that word (laughs) I was gonna say I can hear the hesitation because I hesitate too (laughs) We hesitated to even record this thing. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, we've been hesitating for a long time. I mean, to be fair, it's 2020 and it's only September. It's almost October. And uh, also, yeah, this time. I know, it's like everything, you know. Yeah. It's hard. It's excruciating. And I'll be honest, man, like, this is the first ever conversation I've had about suicide. This is fucking weird. Because, like, I'm thinking, like, I brought it Mm -hmm. up to my therapist, like I mentioned earlier. But that was it. I didn't want to talk anymore about it, so I, I don't even know what Deflected. after that. Probably animal. Deflected. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and dissociate. Mm-hmm. Um, I do that too much sometimes, but what else? Um, and so that just, like, makes me wonder, like, is this something that we can normalize? Like, can we normalize these types of conversations, especially when I know that I am experiencing overwhelming amount of stress and anxiety and depression right now because of everything that's happening in the world, because of everything that's happening to black and brown people, because of everything that's happening with our government and what's happening, you know, back in the motherland, like,
I hate getting out of bed every day, dude. I really do. But I know that that's also, you know, my brain. My brain telling me that I'm not good enough, that I'm not strong enough, that I'll never, you know, make a difference. And that's all bullshit. That's all bullshit. My neurodivergent fucking depressed What do we say when our brain thinks that way? Erase! <laughs> yeah. Erase! <laughs> uh. Yes. But it's so hard, right? Like, it's... I, I think about, like, how far I've come to, like, be able to recognize that now. To see. Like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. That's not me thinking that. That's my brain fucking with me right now. That is my depression and, like, you know, like, high, maximum, whatever. I can't speak. (laughs) Um, But, like, and I would not have had that response at 16 or at 23 or at 27 or at 30 or this year like this was the year where I realized like oh shit it can get better oh man you know ah shit um, I remember my greatest feeling is driving down PCH and feeling the wind in my hair. Um, my TikTok people, you know that guy? Yeah, yeah. Like, you know Focus. that guy. Like, yeah. <laughs> we all know. We all yes. thought of him too. We yes. all thought of him it's when like, you said that. We yes. all thought we like were him he, when we saw the video. guy just like reminds me of the of all I wanted to feel right you know when I was at my deepest depression 2014 and then you know I was I felt like I you know didn't really get better till 2017 um, and I you know I went down PCH again and I would feel the wind in my hair and I just feel like this hormiguero like you know yeah, just like, oh, and I just start getting anxious and just start freaking out. And the beach is like, you know, you and I, like, it's just like our sanctuary, right? Like, oh, I love going over there. I love yeah. seeing that. My husband and I, we shared this place and we we're like, like, that's our spot. And by the rocks, feeling the wind in our hair and just looking at the moon and the stars and everything. And, um, I remember thinking the day that this feels like that TikTok video, you know, <laughs> the day that this feels like the TikTok video, I know I'm better. And 
when that day came, because I would always think to myself, am I ever going to feel the same again? Am I ever going to feel that feeling again? And I thought it was never, ever going to come. And that's why I had those thoughts of suicide. It's just like, it's never going to get better. And the day that my husband took me down PCH again, and I was just like, yes. And I felt, I'm drinking my cran, raspberry juice, Fleetwood Mac, like, and I felt that again. I was just like, yes. Was so happy. Um, and I thought back to, you know, that, quote unquote, um, old melody. And I was like, oh, I finally feel better. I was just so happy. I recently had a friend ask me that. She, you know, is, you know, and, I, and I'm thinking back, I'm like, wow, this is so great that she trusted me and she told me she had these feelings and I said, well, you know what? You need to go get help. Like, I can't do anything for you right now. I wish I could because in the time of Corona, I wish I could go over to her house and just hug her and tell her everything was going to be okay, you know, physically. I told her through the phone and I said, you know what? I need to get some help. Um, you know, and I told her everything that I felt, and she asked me, does it ever get better? And you, it does. But the thing is that, you know, I feel like maybe I might have said it the wrong way. I said, you know, it's not like you stop feeling all that, but when the, those feelings reemerge, um, you know how to deal with it better. Yeah, and then I, you know, said that I said I don't want to be, you know, negative, but you're going to feel better, but you'll be like me, Manady 2.0. Not going to be Manady, the old Manady. I will be <laughs> Manady 2.0. Right, and that's and that's the goal, right? Yes, the goal is to improve and grow. And I don't think that there, I don't think that was at all the wrong way to approach it. I think, I think that's perfectly valid and a reasonable way to like have that conversation, like despite all of the challenges that like presented itself, right? Like it's time of COVID and it's, you know, you can't meet with them in person and it's just like all of these barriers, but you can reassure them that, hey, you know i see that you're hurting you need you may want Mm -hmm. to get some help or no you need to ask for help you know yeah and i'm here for you like just those things are so important and i think there's there are things that need to be said it's like i again i'm wondering like if 16 year old me had heard had had a conversation yeah. with a 15 year old you you know like I don't know I think about like 15 year old me would have said something that would I have you wouldn't have liked you know? like you know yeah. well yeah 
probably well and you know that's another that's another part about it right it's like lacking the emotional intelligence to like be able to have conversations about suicide and self-harm um so i was just thinking to myself like if i had talked about this with you or with anybody i probably wouldn't have cut myself when i was younger yeah i was just thinking about that and i remember no i always like put myself down because i didn't like tell anybody It's not your fault, though. Again, these are things that, you know, I wish that I I would have known when I was 16 that I could talk to you about it, that I could talk about these things. Yeah. You know, like, it's 34 now, and I'm just now realizing that it is okay for me to talk about these things. There's nothing wrong with me for having these thoughts. There's nothing wrong with having those thoughts. What is wrong is keeping them inside and ignoring that pain until it's too late. And I was thinking about like, when did I feel comfortable saying something like that? And it all kind of started with Robin Williams. Yeah. Hmm. That hit me so hard. Oh my god. Yeah, I think that was like 2014 as well. That was hard. We, was we so grew hard up with him. For sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh jeez. I just watched that one. Wasn't so earlier. <laughs> Earlier this year, when COVID, you know, we were quarantined, I was like, let's watch all my uh, childhood movies. Yeah, that was one of them. Of course. I love Williams, though. But I felt kind of, you know, oh, gosh, this sounds so bad. For lack of a better word, like, what am I going to say? I just felt like that was maybe like a domino effect, you know, like that I could say something about how I felt. And before I even told Jesus, I told one of my, I was um, renting a backpack from one of our um, friends and I walked over to her room, you know, her part of the house and I told her, you know, I, Robin Williams, but it felt. She asked me, are you feeling that way? I don't think I was ready to say yes. I said no. Mm-hmm. But I think that was it. Like That started me, you know, be a little bit more open about things. Yeah. Like, we grew up with that man, and I could understand. I didn't want to feel that pain. What do you know? Uh, I do. And I, I'm thinking like... Yeah, 
I've I've lost someone to suicide too. And so when I think about how I, I just like I feel like I'm not allowed to talk about it. Talk about him because of how he uh-huh. died. Um and it makes me sad, you know, but like And, it's stigmatized. Um, yeah, but like I can very easily talk about how Robin Williams, a man that I've never met but was oh, a big mm-hmm. part of my childhood, you know, like hurts me, but I can't talk uh, about how yeah. someone you actually knew were close to. Yeah. <sighs> Fuck. Uh you know, growing up, he, here's what I think. I'm talking about me. Why I like I couldn't talk about it, and it took me so long to say something, was because number one, um, you know, the people of the Catholic faith, like, and I used to go to church all the time, and this was the whole thing. Like, used to hear, hey, the sin to commit suicide. Go to hell if I do it. So that was a big thing um, that I couldn't, and um, negative thing. So I I felt I couldn't even say anything about it in fear that I'm going to go to hell. Yeah, it's a very insidious way of shaming people for having mental health, isn't it? Or even talking about that mental. Or just being human. Let's be real. (laughs) Let's be real. Like, I can't feel certain things because of that, you know? Shit, man. That was a big thing for me. I could, you know, and then, um... lost someone as well due to that and um and I'm thinking back about it uh we don't really talk about it our family doesn't talk about it at all and just a little while ago I'm talking to my husband about it and you know talking about suicide awareness month and um he shared his you know, people he's lost to to suicide, and um, you know, I asked, "Do you see anything that could have that did this person tell you anything?" I like, know, but we just thought that he was a little unstable, and I went, "Oh, well." But maybe that's me in the present thinking. Like, if you thought he was quote unquote unstable, then maybe he, there was something he was trying to tell you something. Um, mm. And then he said, "Well, we were young, you know." I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I I probably wouldn't have seen it if I was young too. Right. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is, we didn't. Yes. We didn't. <laughs> 
<laughs> we are today years old when we realize yes. that we didn't see it. <laughs> And I will admit that if it, you know, you, I don't know, like, you know, I've been on my Degrassi binge. Degrassi, please send us messages. <laughs> um, you know, and you know, the first episode of Manny, she just straight up tells her, you know, Emma's parents, like, hey, something's going on, like that. That's awesome because yeah, that's yeah. Right. Manny, Manny's a homie. Super good news. Manny is fucking yeah. ride or die. Right yeah, she Manny. was always Craig did Craig. Wrong, dude. Big man. I'm I'm watching the earlier seasons and I'm like, he he started off pretty cool, but then just became really bad. <laughs> you say that because he's your type. <laughs> yes. Yes. but it's like yeah like you know if and i'm looking at it as an adult now and i'm like yes you you freaking did a great job you're a freaking awesome friend but at the time when i used to go to claire's house and watch it we were like fuck that bitch (laughs) you know (laughs) were we so, not anti many but anybody like else that. who told, you know? Yeah. <laughs> we were like, hey, but now as an adult, I'm like, you, you know what? Yeah, you, you were right. Yeah. You love me that much? Okay. You see that my mental health and emotional capacity is declining? Yeah. Yes, so like, good. whoa, because Craig used to be cool because you know what? Like, he went with Emma to go like accompany her to see her dad. And I was like, oh, that that's cool. Like, you know, if I was that age, I'd probably be scared to ditch school or something. You know, like, oh no. But hmm. I remember we used to be like, oh no. Nah. I guess it's just on the what do they say that it's something about the eye? What be oh the beholder or something like that. Oh yeah, beauty is in the eye. You know, just have to see these things at this age to realize, like, man, they were right. And like, if I could go back, I would have done a lot of snitching. (laughs) (laughs) Man. So, like, what are some ways that, like, like you mentioned, you know, how? The death of Robin Williams kind of mm, opened the door for you to talk about your suicidal ideation. Um, do you feel like, and were were there like any like, how did you explore that? I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like, how did you allow yourself to like? you know, navigate those feelings and try to understand them. Mm. I'm going to say I'm still on those waters, still, you know, navigating that. Um, I wish that I could have a talk about it and not cry because I Mm -hmm. go back and I see my husband's face um, 
And I always, you know, actually when I talked to him about what I was feeling, I brought up Robin Williams too. And I think that was my, I guess, cue for them to know, like, hey, I'm feeling this way. So fresh at that during that year. Um, but like I said, if um, I have someone coming up to me, that's the first thing that I will ask them. Do you feel that you want to hurt yourself? I don't say suicide. Uh, because I don't want to cry. So, and don't want to make it about myself. So I will ask, are you feeling like you're hurting? You want to hurt yourself? Um, it's a little bit easier for me to say. Yeah, and so, yeah, um, I think now in the time of Corona, the Rona, um, I've been checking a lot uh, up on a lot of my friends. And I, I find that a lot of my friends are checking up on me. Um, the, you know, I've been off the social media, so, um, you know, I didn't delete social media, but I'll get emails saying, hey, you have all these messages. So I'll find a lot of friends saying, hey, I see that you're MIA on social media. How are you feeling emotionally? So they'll ask, ask me. Uh, I'll check up on a lot of friends. Uh, I find that I've also, because of the pandemic, I've talked to my husband a lot of more about our feelings, our childhood, and what we've experienced. And I talked to my mom as well, because after my dad's stroke, I saw a lot of signs that I, you know, well, I saw a lot of the same feelings that I was feeling. So I asked her to go to therapy. Um, you know, I just said, do you think this would work for you? And I went with her to appointments and stuff. Um, but uh, I'm still on those waters, I'm going to say. Yeah. For sure, same too. I mean, again, first time yeah. we were talking about suicide. And very like consciously trying not to hesitate before saying suicide. Because it feels wrong to talk about it. Like, it feels disrespectful, almost. And then I think about, like, well, no, because I'm talking about something that is real, that can affect anybody. And if it can affect anybody, then this is something that should be talked about. And your feelings are valid. And the fact that there aren't a lot of spaces where you can talk about it. And I'm not saying that, like, there are families out there who... I'm not saying it's all families that, you know, don't talk about this. I'm speaking of my experience, of course. Um, 
And I just, you know, I've observed and I've experienced how limiting conversations about mental illness and death can be. And so when those two things intersect and, you know, you become the person with the mental illness, with the suicidal thoughts, then, you know, those problems kind of just tend to, you know, go hide in a closet or something. We don't talk about those problems. We don't talk about how sad we feel. We're not going to talk about how, you know, how much we're hurting or how much we don't want to hurt anymore. Because that's not how we are raised to deal or work through this type of pain. And so, like, for it to take us this long to realize that and to, like, openly have a conversation about it. Yeah. Kind of a big deal, dude. And, like, real talk, like, I feel like if 16-year-old me were listening to this, I'd be like, <laughs> hey, okay, whatever, bitch. But, hmm. but let me read yes. more about this. <laughs> You know, like, let me do some more research on this. Um, you know, and just like, and you know, and that's like kind of one of the ways that I normalize it with myself or have been trying to normalize, you know, the suicidal ideation, just like naming what it is. Like, I am not suicidal, I experience passive suicidal ideation as my therapist says. Um, and well, then that means, like, well, I may not be planning to end my life, but I think about it a lot. All the time. I can't control it. Cannot. And in moments of deep distress, the ability to you know, not the ability to, you know, keep those thoughts as just as passive becomes harder and harder for me. And that's when it becomes an active suicidal ideation where I start thinking about how I'm going to do it. And, you know, since. I want to say, oh, I think it was August of two years ago, August, um, when I was, you know, it was like four in the morning and I was in the living room and I was crying because I was so devastated because it was my brother's birthday and I just couldn't handle the pain his loss and I remember I had a bottle of pills and I remember just like grabbing that bottle and just like crying and I really just wanted to take all of them Instead, I left them alone and I just 
stayed up and I watched the sunset until my tears dried up. And when Jason woke up, I told him what had happened. And we um, told him I would talk to my therapist about it. And, you know, talked it through. We, I increased the, uh, the dosage on my medication. And, you know, it, it's just, it's just, it's just distressing to think about. Like, that, that is how deep my trauma hurts, how deeply it affects me that I can't even think about the losses that I've had without wanting to to live, you know? Um, and I feel like if I was allowed to talk about it more, or if there is a space where I can express these feelings that I have without like fear or judgment of me like seeking attention or you know exaggerating or whatever because I feel like that's usually what happens when people talk about wanting to hurt themselves which is why we don't talk about it I don't know like I remember just looking for, you know, the suicide hotline. They have a text feature, which I thought was really awesome because I don't like calling people on the phone. So when the suicide hotline came out with a text feature where you can chat with an actual person, like that was amazing. That was like really helpful for me. Um, and like, oh, do you yeah. know the website Post Secret? Oh my god. I love Post Secret. Is it still around? I've been... It is still around, yes. I make mm. a point to see it every single Sunday. Have been for at least 15 I remember years, you sent that to me and I would always check it every day. And even... Yes. Does. Oh yeah. Um, the, th <laughs> the thoughts... Oh, sorry. Well, that's like one of the, um, I guess the resources that I use to like remind myself that these feelings, these ideations, whether they're passive or active, like they're not isolated. It's not just me. And that tells me that there is hope for me, that there is a way for me to get help. It's like, I cannot tell you how how helpful it is for me to see a postcard from somebody like sharing that for example you know it's like their 10 year anniversary and they never thought that they would live this long or something like that you know like yeah so it's like those little those types of reminders 
that are tangible, that connect me with people, even if it's people that I don't know. Like, that gives me so much hope. You know, and like, I think, I feel that with having conversations like this, like, maybe we can help bring that to somebody else. You know, like, again, like, I wish, I wish I had been mm-hmm. able to talk about this when I was younger. I wish I'd been yeah. able to talk about this five years ago. <laughs> Maybe even five days ago. Yeah, because before, um, before the end. You know, we talk almost every single day, and you hadn't told me, you know? Like, yeah. I wish. Yeah. Wish, um. You know, like, what was it that you said? Like, uh, oh yeah, about trying to get attention. Like, no, that's not the case. It takes so much for someone to tell you this. It's not, and, and I know I've heard that from a lot of people. Like, oh, they're just trying to get attention. Oh, they're just spoiled. You know, yeah, yeah. I heard that from a lot of people close to me when I was going through that. And I didn't tell a lot of people. And I heard it from people that I loved. Hmm. Um, you're just spoiled. And obviously that changed my relationship with that person. Um, but I always like to make up excuses for people and say, oh, they just don't know how I feel. And when they feel that way, I'll be there for them. Yeah. You know what? That's all we can do, right? We are in control of ourselves and what we put out into the world. You know, the... um. Yes, let's normalize that. It's okay to talk about your feelings. It's okay to talk about suicide. I promise you'll tell me next you time. You too. Those thoughts. Please. <laughs> Fine. I mean, yeah, but can we like find a way to like bring it up in a way? An emoji. Gonna, like, be weird. A bit emoji. <laughs> A bit emoji. <laughs> so, 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 um, um, I what was it a couple of days ago? I texted Claire and I said, "Hey, um, guess the um song via emojis." Now you can do. I did like spice up your life, right? What did I do? Uh, chicka cherry mm. cola. <laughs> what was the other one? Oh, you didn't know mm-hmm. this one. It was a uh, whose bed. Whose boots have your boots been under? No, whose bed has your boots been under? Shania Twain. You didn't know that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I did not know that. No, why would I know that? <laughs> that song just popped into my head. But maybe that's how we can do it. Guess the feeling. Guess the, guess the, guess. Oh, I'll just send you, like, a little emoji of, like, a crying face and the oh. Some ice cream. Oh, cookies? <laughs> no, wait. Cookies, cookies. That's my jam right now. 
Dude, I have so many cookies. Big shout out and big thank you to all of my wonderful, you know, friends and support to sent cards and cookies during my recovery. I really appreciate it. It's been so <laughs> hard. Like, you know, it's like all of this and healing from the, you know, appendix we, surgery. Anybody <laughs> know about La Caída de Edgar? That is what 2020 is like to us. Yahweh. <laughs> no more. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Don't do it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I won't. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know. I'm not. All I'm saying, dude, is. I'm not the only one who has these thoughts, okay? And I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one who's been told, you know, to not say anything because you don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. <laughs> so, like, I'm going to say, I hear you, and what about my feelings? And I'm coming to you because I love you and I trust you enough to support me with this. So, like, yes. let's make it a thing, huh? Let's talk about it. Now that you're talking about it and I shared mine, my my experience, I also, you know, I took it differently because basically my husband told me the same thing. Hey, what about me? Right? Um, and I took it differently because I kind of was, you know, kind of like a punch in the face. Like, what? Oh, you know, there's other people around. Right? Um, yeah and sometimes that's what we need to remember yeah. that's that's the reminder that we need there's nothing yeah it, there's i don't know i guess there's i don't want to say that there's a wrong or right way to approach it i don't know what the yeah. right or wrong is. i'm not a professional you know like we're speaking from our experience and what has worked for us and you know in a situ in this situation where we both had completely different reactions to the same response. I think it's really good and really important to explore what that looks like because not everybody's going to get the same feeling or the same response, you know, like, how do we prepare for that if we don't talk about it? The uh, most positive thing that I can say is validate that person's feeling. Yeah. Validation. validate you don't have to understand it to validate it you don't have to have mm -hmm. felt it to validate it yeah it's real listen validate be there <laughs> and regulate <laughs> I couldn't help myself <laughs> I <couldn't> help it <laughs> Very deep oh, combo today. Well, I mean, I think this is why it takes us so long to like get ready to do the next conversation because they just get more and more <sighs> relevant. They become more and more relevant. Um, but I do have plans for conversations of much more. Oh. 
just that's different. Yeah. And I, I you know, know. I'll, I'll leave, you know, and I know we're going to leave a lot of resources for people. Um, for sure. I've been putting, so I follow and I highly recommend others follow um, the self care is a priority and self care is for everyone on Instagram. Those two I follow, I've been following for a long time. And honestly, just those gentle reminders, like even if it's in a meme form or an image or whatever, those those have helped me a lot. And since it's one of the very few, if not only, ways that we can connect with our listeners, you know, I I share those in hopes to like, you know, spread that feeling spread those reminders um, so I'll keep doing that and um, yeah I think that's really the best and most efficient way for me to do those uh, to share that information um, I mentioned the suicide hotline I'm going to put the phone number actually on our um, profile our Instagram profile so you know that number is toll free and you know, it's nationwide, so if anybody ever needs somebody to talk to but doesn't know who to talk to, the suicide hotline is amazing. Um, you can also text, like I said earlier, super rad. Um, and, you know, as we're exploring this more and understanding it more in our own respective journeys, we can follow up and, you know, just... Yeah, yes, talk us. about it. <laughs> send a message to us um also i have um uh i think it's a tiktok that i haven't been on instagram um alka or dot me so a l c h e dot m e on tiktok uh, one of the uh, uh high school buddy i used to go to school with well high school right um he is um i'm not sure if a licensed therapist um but he, he puts a lot of uplifting um videos on tiktok now so that's another one that you all could follow makes me you know yes. sometimes i i look at that and i'm having a down day like yeah it's great you know motivates me so check that one out and again the suicide hotline I'm gonna also like do a shout out to the homies at Los Gothsco and, and Instagram because they have just been lighting up my life this whole week um, if y'all don't follow Los Gothsco on Instagram do yourselves a favor because they are they're basically like why oh, they're really needed <laughs> to help her through her shit. It's like the most amazing, like, you know, mashups. Like, I don't want to spoil it. Just know that for this fucking sad oh. LA girl who loves trancheras and shit. And what? Videos, like, oh man, you have to share. You have to share with me so much joy. And they and and they have a playlist on spotify and that has been my jam not because the songs are so good but also because my you know 
recovering self can't move or dance very well. Yeah. I'll dance to that fucking playlist. So. <laughs> Big recommend. Big you know, recommend. now that so you said good. that, I'm like, those guys. is that why I love Harry Styles so much? Because he makes <laughs> it so, so good. Like, that's probably that's probably it. You know, and music, music is just <laughs> ah, it's great. Music. Yes. Yeah. Oh, we can do an entire yes. episode on music one day. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I planned on like doing an entire month on mess of everything. Yahweh, yeah, everything. Yahweh. <laughs> My favorite part is no pasa nada. You know what? If you twenty twenty, a lot of things happened. <laughs> yes, that's right. Fuck you, twenty twenty. Yes. We hate you, but we love everyone else. Y'all are cool. We're here for you. Yes. I want to shout out also to Nargona Positivity because... Oh. Yes. 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 Why? Say why. Oh, jeez. I've said this before, but I suffer from an eating disorder and I'm... I'm so glad I didn't hesitate when saying that. (laughs) I feel like I'm a little bit more open about it. Um... She just like showed me that I am not like that Western beauty, right? Like that standard. And I'm never gonna look at that and I'm okay with it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and you never have to and you were never supposed to. You know what? I'm gonna shout out to her too, because let me tell you, when I got back from the hospital, like the day I was discharged, came home and I'm just like fucking sore as hell. And Jason brings the mail and I get a package yes! there. And it's my tank top that says Ancestors Guide Me. And shit yes. you not, that was like my mom yes. when I was in the ER, dude. Like, whole fucking time. Um, and so, like, I've been wearing it for like three days straight, okay? Like, real talk. I, it's okay, I I you don't have very to. Well or you don't have to give excuses. And it's hella okay. fucking comfortable. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> I know, I know. Well, shout out to her and all of her amazing work, but most importantly, like the timing in which that shirt came was very, very much appreciated because I ordered it, I don't know how long ago, and for it to be here the day that I come yes. home after experiencing that just felt really affirming. Um, Love it. Yeah. Ah, yes. All right. Too much crying. Let's stop. (laughs) Thank you again for joining us today. Follow us on Instagram for updates and more on intersectionality underscore in underscore diaspora. We leave you with the words of the great Audre Lorde. I have come to believe over and over again that what is most important to me must be spoken, made verbal, and shared, even at the risk of having it bruised or misunderstood. With love, gratitude, and hope, Clara and Melo signing off.